0: Welcome to The Soapbox. My name is Chris Kraft.
1: And I'm Micah Davis. We want to have conversations spanning everything from philosophy to finance, and we want you to join us.
0: Our goal on this podcast is to share new perspectives on old ideas, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Soapbox podcast. Chris Kraft and Micah Davis here, and we're we we were trying to figure out what to talk about today. We've actually got a sit-in guest, Mr. Sean Gregory, with us, and uh, we we were back we were back and forth trying to figure out some things that Mike and I are having issues with right now. And there's one thing that came up that I think is going to be a good subject for us to talk about because I don't I don't think we've ever had a long term conversation about this before. Maybe just passing, but we have both been worship leaders over the years, so we're going to come at this from a spiritual growth standpoint. Is kind of where this would fall into. We've both been worship leaders. I've been worship leader since I was 15 years old. In one way or another, right, playing guitar, playing keyboard on stage. You've been for how long? Like, uh, like, like, yeah. when did you start learning music? Because you're not just worship leader; you're a musician.
1: Learning music was around 14, and then uh, I started leading worship around 14. Was, so,
0: you're, so you're looking at just about half your life.
1: Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. So, we're so coming up on an 11, uh, yeah. so March they, or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. So Mike is currently leading worship at the church that we're at, and, and I'm actually helping on stage. Mm-hmm. So we're both kind of doing this, but the subject we're going to talk about today is one that is very difficult for worship leaders across the board, and yeah. and and I kind of want Micah to start this. Um, the idea, and I don't really even know how to start it, because if you've never been on a worship team or never kind of led worship... Um, this might be coming out of left field to you, but it's very hard for a worship leader to walk the line between creating the environment for people to be comfortable worshiping in, which is their responsibility, right? right? It's what they do. But how do you walk that thin line between that and emotionally manipulating people? Um, and, and that's, that's a very hard thing to do because it's so easy. Yeah. Because when you control somebody's emotions, in a sense, it's very easily easy to manipulate them to where you want them to go. Yeah. And there may be some of our listeners going, "Yeah, that's why I don't like worship." Well, hang around, hold on for a second, because we're gonna we're gonna dive into a a worship leader's heart, but be the idea of how do we do that? How do we walk that line? Yeah, and what are some good things we can do and practices we can do? So speak to that a little bit.
1: I think the hardest thing for <laughs> worship leaders in trying to stay away from being emotionally manip- manipulative is that. That's kind of what music does on its own. It's true. Because, I mean, people will listen to like Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana and you get hype. And people listen to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin and they start crying. And it's not like those are particularly, you know, worshipful, spiritual songs. They're just emotional because they're songs. And the way that music affects the human mind is emotional, mostly. So that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, is facing that. Well, music itself is kind of emotionally manipulative because it conveys an emotion. It conveys a message even before you start hearing the lyrics. You get an idea of what the songs are like, and so um, or about. So, I think that's one thing that we just need to accept that worship music in general, because it's worship music, is going to be emotionally, um, activating. In some way that mm-hmm. it's going to emotionally be driven, right? It, it's it's going to be kind of emotionally manipulating, but in the way that, you know, you manipulate iron to make something or something, it just kind of changes it. Um, and I think that's part of the atmosphere that you make for worship is you want a soft atmosphere for people to feel like they can let go in the atmosphere of worship. But obviously the point is not necessarily to drive people to think they've had an experience with God <coughs> when really it's their emotions getting away with them. You want them to have a real experience and connection and touch with God because they're in an atmosphere where they're open to it and not where you're saying you're going to feel this thing and this is going to be God and and you make emotions God at that point. Now mm-hmm. I don't obviously as a worship pastor you shouldn't ever want that. I think there also should be a, a distinction between worship pastors who have a hard time struggling with the emotionally manipulative thing. How do I walk this line versus worship pastors who just want to emotionally manipulate? Cause unfortunately that can be common. Like we were talking about with our um, podcast that we recorded earlier with social media. It's just, you have people who use positions and use tools for good and for bad. And sometimes you have people who use it just, to get some pats on the back at the end of service.
0: Right. And, and one of the hard parts of what you're talking about, because I th- I totally agree with you. One of the hard parts is when someone is sitting in the congregation and they want to pass that judgment on the person on the stage that says, oh, you're just doing that to manipulate us. Right. It's like you're not you're not allowed to judge the motives of the heart. Only yeah. Christ can do that. That's all through scripture. So that's one of the issues is when you have people in the congregation that are looking at a worship pastor and saying, well, your motives for doing this are blah, blah, blah. Well, right. at that point, you need to zoom out and f- learn, figure out your own emotions. Why are you so offended by this, right? Um, so there's a book I'm reading recently that I think is good, and this just popped into my head. What is the difference between manipulation and influence? Hmm. And the biggest difference between the two is that influence, you're looking for the person's good manipulation you're looking for your own good yeah and that happens in parenting that happens in friendship that happens in marriage you are trying to manipulate someone when you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do for your own good so emotional manipulation in this way would be a worship leader who wants the um wants the good feeling of everybody worshiping for themselves now again in the heart of a worship leader there's always going to be that temptation yeah it's always going to be there because it does feel good and it should feel good. Like God put that feeling there. Mm-hmm. It's our job to manage the feeling. Right? God's not going to take that feeling away. He's not going to take any emotions like that away. He's he told us to manage the emotions. That's why he gave us Philippians 4. It's why he gave us 2 Corinthians 10. Right. So when it comes to that, <clears throat> I think it's the worship leader's job to emotionally influence people for their good. Right, and and I don't think you can tell a difference by looking at someone. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't think you can take a.
1: You mean like what their motives are if they're the, as a worship correct? Pastor? Like yeah. if
0: I were to look externally at a worship leader who's on stage, I don't know if their if their aim is is emotional manipulation or influence. Right, I have no clue, and at that moment, does it matter? Is the question?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think about you know some people would probably point to like, but the lights or the. Uh, um, fog machines or something and it's like but you turn down the lights at a worship night I mean we do at CLF and what's the difference between turning down the lights and turning on a fog machine it's yeah. it's obfuscation you know it, it's obscuring people people do
0: a candlelight service for Christmas Eve sometimes is, is that emotional manipulation because yeah we're supposed to feel more special over Christmas I mean I mean you, you do you do that for romance and at a date, right? You'll turn down yeah. the lights. Is that emotional manipulation? So I, I agree with you. It's really hard to say that just because you turn down lights, you turn on the fog machine, people complain about the production of worship. I have less a problem with the production of worship than a, than a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I do too. I I think it's funny that we try so hard to be like, worship's not a concert, worship's not a concert, and it's it's not. But a concert is simply a place where you listen to music. So kind of is you're just interacting more with god while you're listening to the music in a worship setting whereas in a concert typically people worship the band which is what you don't want which i think is the distinction we try to make but don't really make clear to Mm -hmm. congregations very well is like we don't want you the whole point of saying worship's not a concert is not don't listen or care about the music it's focus on god right right it's not don't focus on don't it's it is don't focus on me Playing the guitar or you playing the keys or wow, he missed that note or (laughs) he hit that note
0: or it's too loud or it's too soft.
1: Right. We want you focusing on God and listening to the words in the music to pay attention to what we're saying about God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's really hard to walk that line just because some of the things do make people more comfortable. I remember distinctly a youth camp that I went to, and this is what changed my mind about it. Cause before I was like, wow, lights are stupid and worship setting fog machines aren't a good idea. Turning the lights down. You know, I like turning lights down, but, but the rest of it is too much. And then at a, at a particular youth camp, I remember being able to, and, and loudness. I didn't like how loud worship stuff typically was. And then at this youth camp they turned the lights down low they turned the fog machines on and they turned the lights on and when they played the songs i could actually sing and not hear myself and i felt free in that hmm. because i felt like well now it's all of us doing the same thing together but i don't have to try to hide amongst something else like i can't even hear myself so right. not being able to hear you know myself is is comforting i'm sure everyone around me could hear me but I couldn't hear myself. Something about that just kind of clicked in my mind. Like maybe this is what people were getting at with a lot of the fog machines and and lights is it's like, it takes you out of yourself so that you're not thinking so much. Oh, what if the person next to me hears me and, and is, mm-hmm. and I'm embarrassed in my voice or what if, you know, the person behind me uh, sees me raise my hands and, and thinks that I'm an idiot for it. It's like, well, it's, a little bit of a free time to worship however you want if you're not having to think about all these externalities so right. much.
0: There, there, there's a lot of people that I totally agree with you. There, there's a lot of people that would, that begin to think, well, with with all of these extra things, um, and and here's my first problem, is when you say extra things, technically every single thing in a worship service is an extra thing.
1: David worshipped uh stripped himself naked and started dancing in the middle of the street. There you go. And like, that was worship. Yeah. So it's like,
0: like he didn't your, even need clothes. Clothes are worship, right? <laughs> the chairs we're in are worship. Air conditioning is worship. Having a shelter, four walls, and a roof is worship. Right. Like, let's take all of those things away, right? Let's just all worship outside in the heat of Alabama in July. Like, yeah. why are we allowed to have AC, but we're not allowed to have a smoke machine, right? right. It's like we're, we're, we're so individually picky based on our own particular bias that we start telling the church and the worship leader what they should do based on our bias. Here's the question. Who's got it tougher? The one person with an opinion in their chair, or the one person on stage who's trying to please a hundred people, right? Or a thousand people, or ten thousand people. You and, can't please everyone in a worship service.
1: And if my job is to provide an atmosphere of worship and to help draw you closer to God, and you're fighting me on that, then what am I going to do to change your mind? You can't. And it comes down to kind of a hard issue too. What do you, why is it that you choose to fixate so much on the lights and the fog machine and the music when you should be focusing on God? Mm -hmm. Like that's the point of the worship service, right? So if that's what you're going to tell me the point of a worship service is, so that's why I should get rid of the extra stuff. Why don't you just pay attention to God instead of paying attention to the fact that, Right. Oh, look, they have blue lights going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
0: No, that, that, that's good. There, there are several valid things that people say. I, I've I've been in worship services that hurt my head because they're so loud. Right. I, I completely understand that. And there's a couple things I'll say to that. The reason I, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to go on what seems like a rabbit trail, but I'm going to pull it back. I don't personally have anything wrong with having multiple denominations and different types of churches that meet. Right. I think it's perfectly great. Because not everybody wants loud, not everybody wants soft, not everybody wants hymnals, not everybody likes music, not everybody likes preacher. like you've got different, different strokes for different folks, right? So my first thing is if worship is constantly too loud, instead of asking them to change their culture, go find another church where you're more comfortable. Right. The job of the church is not to fit to the individual. The church creates a culture based on the leadership of that church, right? And based on the leadership, that, that pastor's job and the worship pastor's job is to create a culture of who that church is. And Cri- a united culture. <clears throat> you united can't culture.
1: fight the pastor being a worship pastor and expect things to to gel. Um that's end, very end true services or anything. So That's
0: very true. So if you join Christian Life Fellowship, well, let me tell you the type of church that we are. We are a church that focuses on the broken. So if you want people in suits and ties, you're not going to be comfortable. No. We we I folk, don't we, ever wear it. we we uh, you've your people on stage are either like I my my fancy dress is a polo and jeans.
1: I wear a jeans and a t-shirt. Jeans
0: and a t-shirt. And like like we uh, our pastor either wears a polo or sometimes a t-shirt on Sundays. Like it's a very relaxed um, Mike and I are on stage. We have an acoustic guitar, sometimes a bass, and sometimes my keyboard. We, right now, we don't even have drums. It's very chill, almost an acoustic style worship. If you're looking for a production, our church is not what you want. Right. But if you're looking for hymn books, our church is not what you want either because we're yeah. going to have newer songs. We're going to be having things Micah likes and I like that we like the lyrics, and f- so that's our culture. If you're, well, first thing, if worship's going to drive you away, I would challenge you've got a heart problem, anyways. Right. Right. Because you should be coming to church to serve, not just to get, 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 get. Yeah. It should be a two-way relationship, a give, a receive, and a give, right? Right. So if worship's gonna get you that aggravated that you need to leave, I would simply challenge you look at your heart. Right. I'm not gonna tell you that you have anything wrong. I'm simply gonna say I'm gonna challenge you to look at yourself inside. But and I'll toss it back to you here, but I it's I think it's really interesting how people don't think what they're saying. Like what they're, what they're really saying is I want you to change what you're doing mm. for me. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying, but we don't realize what we're saying. So we'll whine and complain about something. And if this comes off too harsh, I do apologize. That's not what I mean at all. But this, this is also coming from years of hearing how I should be leading worship. Right. Right. And And it's funny because the pastor doesn't tell me that <laughs> it's somebody who's been listening. And my, my first response is never usually a godly response. It's usually, okay you can lead worship. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Well, like I,
0: I it, it makes me yeah. not, it makes me not even want to lead. Right. Yeah. Because I can't please everybody. And usually it's the people you get very few compliments. You get a lot of objections. Right.
1: And I, I actually think it's really funny cause you were, I'm sorry. I just thought of this. You were talking about denominations and the way that different denominations will worship. Um, I went, there are a few different denominations that don't believe in like music with their Correct. singing, they do the, the hymns only. i and, got a couple of good friends that and, go to church like that. Great churches uh, that I've been to before, but um, I think the funny thing is, whenever we make stylistic choices or service choices, then try to claim that they're theological choices. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, because I went to this one church, and I, <coughs> I don't even remember what church, so don't ask. Uh, it was up uh, somewhere in Alabama. I don't even remember anymore. Um, but I went to this one church, and they didn't use uh instruments and i was like okay you know that's fine let's their hymns out of the hymn book and then the pastor gets up and preaches using his ipad cast to powerpoint on the projector screen above him and i was like you know that's it's 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 a stylistic choice right and then uh uh, you know, service gets over, and everyone's really nice. It's just a great atmosphere. And and one of the elders of the church gets up, and he said he declares that he's going to start a class to show why their particular denomination and their particular church, with you know no instruments and all this stuff, are the truest and closest form to the original New Testament church, and that that's how everyone should be. And he'll go through the New Testament to prove it step by step. And I was like. That's not the same as your pastor deciding that there won't be instruments right. at your worship team. Because this is saying we're superior. It's that self-righteousness, right? And Jesus says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. So that's the best you're getting out of that. And um I think that we need to be careful when we walk up to worship pastors or walk up to even, you know, between worship pastor to worship pastor, um, pastor to worship pastor, or or congregant to, to worship pastor. To walk up to them and say, God told me X. Even if right. we don't say it like that, a lot of times we'll walk up and be like, you know, the church back then didn't have amplifiers. And mm-hmm. it's like, the church back then didn't have guitars either, but you're not complaining about that. You're complaining about the amplifier, you know? Right. And so I think that's the something that we need to be careful of is making our stylistic differences, our creative choices, whatever you want to call it, some kind of theological disagreement. When it's, it's really not. If you don't, if you don't like electric guitars, just you know, you can say something for sure, but don't make it. God told me to tell you,
0: right? Kind of thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with stylistic differences. No, I mean, Mike, Mike and I have stylistic different, yeah. very few, but <laughs> we have some stylistic yeah. differences of ourselves. And I would even challenge to say two people can't have the same exact styl- right. stylistic preferences. So if that's the case, how are we expected to come into a bo- the body of Christ? Right. And first of all, rem- let's remember that we're the body of Christ. I can't really see Jesus whining to somebody in a temple about the way that they're worshiping, right?
1: Can you imagine Jesus just like sitting there with the disciples and uh, Thomas when at the end after the resurrection, Jesus comes before Thomas and Thomas, you know, lays prostrate and and calls Jesus Lord, and he's like, "Hold up, hold up, you should have done that standing." <laughs> why didn't you pick softly on the guitar in the background, Peter? Like just starts.
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Hold on. Before, just
1: dissing but, them for every choice they didn't and, make,
0: like, yeah, you, you could see Simon Peter about to say, you're the Christ, you're the son of God and pronounce that. And he's like, hold on. I need, I need some backup keyboard. Yeah. I need some back. I, I need some backup chill music. The hold pads on. don't sound. <laughs> Turn them up. Turn the pads. No, no, too loud. Hold on. Looks up and goes, there's, there's a, there's a correct decibel level here that is godly that we must find. Goes up And to if God. we don't, if we Father, don't, you blasphemy. need to turn the
1: ocean up, please.
0: <laughs> turn the sea up. It's not loud enough here. And I, I, I I would apologize if somebody thinks that we're making light of light of something that you feel is important. But I, I, let's let's step back and look at what's really important. Are we are we having a worship service where there is a leader on? By the way, why do we have worship leaders? We have a worship leader because we're called to. Right. We're called to have someone. Go and to be perfectly honest, anything with more than one head's a freak. My dad told me that a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so having just everybody doing their own thing is chaos. So that's a, that's the reason that our denomination and many dom, denom, excuse me many denominations will have a worship leader, someone leading the congregation, and that is a biblical kind of precedent that was set a long time ago. And but our our goal is not to make everybody happy. Right. Our goal is to create a culture. And that culture is going to have some people comfortable in it, and some people not. And your job is not to change the culture. Yeah. Your job is to find where you can be comfortable. And I say comfortable very loosely. Yeah. Because if all worship makes you comfortable, I'm not sure that's such a good thing. I've I've never been told in scripture that worship's meant to make you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Worship's meant to be what God wants, and what He said is anyone who ascends this hill needs clean hands and a pure heart.
1: I think about Cain and Abel, mm. right? Because. <clears throat> Abel comes and offers God his first fruits and it's what God asked of him and so God says good job and and commends him and then Cain brings him some second hand lamb and God's like what is the no I'm I'm not going to take that because it wasn't what he asked for and so if worship if you're just coming to worship for you to get something out of it I would argue that's not necessarily worship I would agree because worship is focused on God and what he's supposed to get from you
0: yeah, th- th- this whole obsession on comfort is really interesting. We're never called to comfort, no. We're called to step out of our comfort zone yeah. and to live life for other people. So guess what? If you're like I'm sold out to the vision of our church 110%, it's not even possible. But oh, I'm completely sold out to the You went the,
1: into debt of <coughs> of selling out in order to get to <laughs>
0: I have negative 10%. <laughs> So guess what? If I don't like a song you I don't like all the songs you sing.
1: Yeah. You're I don't not... like all the songs I sing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I still do them. Here's here's the real point. I'm never going to tell you that. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. My it's not about my preference. It's really about my heart when I enter into wor- uh, to worship service and where we started with this was how it's very difficult for a worship leader to figure out am I emotionally manipulating people or am I not? And I would challenge that's up to the worship leader to be able to figure that out if his or her heart is where it needs to be. Not up to the people in the crowd to determine, huh, I wonder if he's being manipulative or if he's influencing me for my good. That's not your job as a congregation participant. Your job is to enter into worship yourself and to be able to get rid of the distractions. Honestly, sometimes the reason we have music is so you won't be distracted by the guy coughing. It's just like you were saying earlier, so you can get rid of everything else. One of my favorite worship songs of all time. The words of the verse verse is one of my favorite. It says, when I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you, hmm. I worship you. And that's the goal, right? The goal of worship is for everything else around to become shadows. Do you, do, do worship pastors try to handle emotions in as good a way as they know how to help you do that. That's our job. Right. That's what we're supposed to do. And it's up to the worship leader to figure out if their heart's right. But your job is not to pick apart the worship leader. It's to enter into worship as well as you know how.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I would argue with anyone that had, well, that sounds bad, but it's actually true. I would argue with anyone that if you're trying to, um, assess how worship sounds instead of participating in it, you're part of the problem, not part of the help. um, And that's not, not to say when things are wrong, like your ears are bleeding, you know, that's (laughs) probably a good sign to tell them to tone it down a little bit. But if you get upset because the keys were playing, you know, hall piano instead of grand piano out of this, out of the, then you you weren't obviously thinking about worship and the lyrics of the song or anything like that, that you were supposed to be focusing on, you're focusing on what was coming out of the speakers a little too much. That's a, that's a nitpicky observation and, it, it,
0: it, and it's unhelpful. Very true. And we can go and finish this up. One of the things that I thought about on Sunday as our pastor was speaking, there were some technical malfunctions in the speakers and I had two or three people around me that were constantly looking at the speakers and talking about it. I'm like, you just missed the last four things the pastor said that might've changed your life for the rest of your life because you were so distracted by something like that. Part of my job as a teacher and as a speaker in life, like what I do as a leadership speaker, I help people get rid of the distractions in their life and help them focus on what matters. And what matters is not the key of the music. It's not how loud it is. It's not if you know the song. It's simply is your heart right and receptive to what God says and you worshiping him. Right. And when you're listening to a sermon, I don't care what the distraction is. Are you able, I'm going to word the question in what might be an offensive way. I don't mean it this way, but I want, I want to get my point across. Are you mature enough? To be able to look past a distraction and put that out of your mind. Well, I don't know how. Have you learned? Have you practiced? Let me challenge. Next time there's a distraction in a worship service, say, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to focus on her. I'm going to focus on the screen.
1: That's part of taking captive every thought.
0: <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5.
1: Right. I and mean, that's, that's what that is, is exercising take captive every thought. If you're going to be... I would think, and I, I know you've defined it this way, and, and just to keep it easy, I think maturity is the ability to take captive every thought. <coughs> Whether you're talking about Christianity or you're talking about just a mature human being, mm-hmm. it's being able to control where your thoughts go when someone comes at you with a problem, or control where your thoughts go if if someone frustrates you, or to control where your mind goes if you get a little bit of a uh, accolade as mm-hmm. well, because that takes just as much maturity as dealing with a with a problem.
0: Very true. So. Very true. So so remember guys, the soapbox, the idea of what we do is this is new perspectives about old ideas. And worship leading in church services is an old idea. This is simply perspectives from a couple who from a couple of guys who have been worship leading for a while. And I hope you I hope this didn't feel like a venting session. It's not the way we meant no. it at all. We we simply want to help people understand the purpose of a worship leader and the purpose of a congregation are two completely separate things. Yeah. And and each have heart issues that they have to figure out. And the responsibilities of each are different. So, right. I would just simply challenge you: wherever you're at, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and quit trying to worry about other people's salvation. Yeah. Unless you're trying to lead them to Christ, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And even then, I mean, you got to <laughs> let them work it out too. Exactly. I would say you should be a mentor, but not yeah. a master to a slave.
0: There you go. Hey, we ho- we hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Remember, the world does not need another artificial copy. The world needs an original you. Go find your soapboxes, stand on them, change the world. We'll see you next time.